sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Top of the hour here, 1 o'clock on the East and 10 o'clock on the West, wherever you're watching and, of course, listening. Thanks so much for making us part of your day, and thanks so much for making us a part of your week. Joe Pizapia, Craig Mish, we got you until 2 o'clock on the East. Coming up a little later, Scott Farrell, he's going to be going coast-to-coast with all of the Major League Baseball action tonight. NBA, Joe, a little bit dicey. I mean, honestly, I think we've seen the best of what we're going to see during this uh little restart here, and I thought last night's game was probably the best game that I've seen so far uh, at the entire restart. Uh, Damian Lillard is on a path to, like, Hall of Fame category here with everything that he's accomplished. <laughs> but uh, certainly baseball is still uh, in the forefront, and then uh, come Monday, got players back on the – all players back on the field in the NFL. So uh, get ready. All sports are coming back next week, everything. Yeah, it's wild to think about. And you mentioned Lillard, too. I mean, we talked fantasy reality yesterday. Could he get to 50 points? And 42 is awful close. There was a point in that game where I started to think, oh, my goodness, maybe he can get to 50. Maybe he can do this again. But it's been an incredible ride for him. And to do what he's done here in this short sample since returning to with the layoff is perhaps even more impressive than what he's doing beforehand the rest of the season. So uh, NBA certainly looking for good stories to hang their hat on. And Lillard has absolutely been one of them. Yeah, and, and taking shots from the logo, and that's going to get attention. He was great yesterday. I never thought that that was – I did not think he would get – if he had 39, I think, with 10 minutes to go in the fourth, um, and then he had a couple of buckets. He had a very big steal uh, late in the game too, so that was really big for him. All right, let's uh, recap the top stories as we move forward here on this Friday, August 14th, 2020. Mookie Betts, three home runs for the Los Angeles Dodgers last night. He's done this now six different times over the course of his career. One more, he's got the record all-time record by the way uh you darvish how about you darvish looks like the guy that uh, texas signed many years ago remember when they gave him 200 million dollars and had to pay a posting fee that was great then he went to la <laughs> couldn't get anybody out couldn't throw any strikes with the cubs and it just goes to show you that good pitchers remember and they learn how to pitch and they make adjustments maybe it was tipping pitches all this time that's that was the notion with darvish not anymore, as the Cubs are red hot. Their pitching is great. You is great. Uh, Lester's been great, too. And you can look at their offense, and it's somebody different every night. Last night it was Schwarber. Uh, we mentioned Lillard. They get a play-in game coming up this weekend after beating the Nets 134-133. to 133. So the Western Conference is not yet determined. They will determine that this weekend. It looks like the 2021 NBA season will not start on Christmas Day, but so- start sometime in January or maybe even February. And their goal is to get somewhere between 70 and 82 games in. And look, they came back during a pandemic and ended up finishing up their regular season. My guess is they will get in the full complement of games. And then finally, the story that has made a lot of headlines from yesterday, Joe, and and certainly you never want to see this happen. And basically the story is just making fun of a rookie cornerback in the NFL who broke the rules. And I'm hopeful that he will get a chance in the future to be able to play again with another NFL team. But if we're going to use a a guy and we're going to use a player to show what not to do, unfortunately, this is going to be the situation. And hopefully the rest of the NFL learns from this. I'm not confident that they will. Like This is what I'm most concerned with because I saw what happened in Major League Baseball 
And even after the fact, Joe, we, something we haven't even talked about is Zach Plesak posting that video yesterday saying that the media is coming after him. Like, how tone deaf does this guy have to be after everything that's happened? Like, you apologized. They move forward. Everyone is forgiving you. But no, you got to post another video saying, oh, it's the media's fault. It's overblown. Like, man, get a clue. Yeah, uh, a thousand times, yes. And uh, yeah, one bad apple can spoil the bunch. And I think when it comes to immaturity with rookies and guys like that, I think that's why there's so much concern in the college football season, too. And I think that's why you're having all of these things going back and forth. When should we play? Should we play at all? When is it going to happen? Uh, I did watch Hard Knocks, and you know, spoiler alert, at the end of the show, that's going to be my uh, my Sports Grid 60, because I think there was a lot of takeaways from that. It really got to go in. I highly recommend checking it out this weekend if you haven't seen it already, talking about exactly how these protocols are working, what these guys are going through, and the kind of leadership you're going to need, not just from the coaching staff, but in the locker rooms as well. And uh, you know, the Seahawks, I'm sure Pete Carroll has a reputation of always being a player's coach. And that, you know, you have to look at certain organizations and, you know, make sure that everyone's got their ducks in a row. But look, this is a, a, a quick response and the proper one to something that never should have happened in the first place. And good on the Seahawks for taking action on it and basically saying it's a zero tolerance as it should be. Yep. And, and, and hopefully so. My confidence level is not high that this will be the last story from this. And again, part of it is just volume. 50 players in the NFL uh, on mm -hmm. each team as opposed to 30. It's, it's 20 more situations with one potential situation. And we welcome in our radio listeners here on SportsGrid. Uh, also an update for those of you who are wondering, you have all these guys on the St. Louis Cardinals on your team, you're wondering when they're going to play. Well, it was announced 30 minutes ago, Major League Baseball uh, have said the Cardinals are cleared to play Saturday in a doubleheader against the Chicago White Sox. But get this, the Cardinals will also play three doubleheaders against the Cubs. And also two doubleheaders against the Pirates. <laughs> and also a doubleheader against the Twins. I'm not making this up. They're going to have to play all of these games in order to, I, if I'm not mistaken, what I'm reading here, that's to get to 55 games. <laughs> not even to get to 60 games. So, uh, I, look, I, I, you got to give the Marlins credit. You got to give the Cardinals credit, too. I know that they had some mess-ups personally along the way, but you got to give them credit if they're able to come close to a playoff spot this year. Yeah, and you know, at the top of Hard Knocks, they were talking to the team about the Marlins, and they were using them as examples. Like, we are not going to be like this. We are going to follow the protocols. We are going to go. This is how this organization is going to run. And uh, look, you can have the best intentions, but if everyone's not buying in, like you're saying, that's the danger. But man, that's a lot of doubleheaders, bro. Like, talk about let's play too. I don't think Ernie Banks meant every single day when he said that. That's no. that's probably pretty rough. Maybe on Sundays. Well, not every day, man. Woo-wee. That's no, tough. No, wild. Two seven-inning doubleheaders, uh, six six different times and four days in a row of that. I mean, good luck to the Cardinals. All right. Coming up next here on the show, we're going to have a little discussion with our good friend Matt Sells. He's got a preview of this weekend's Go Bowling 235. They're in Daytona. Who's going to win? Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's time to fire up the engines this weekend over on the FanDuel Sportsbook and on DFS sites as well. 
as the Go Bowling 235 is getting ready to race. NASCAR is back. We bring in Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. You can follow him on Twitter at the Selzman. Matt, looking forward to the race this weekend. Thanks again for coming on. How are you? Sure thing. I am quite good. I'm very excited for this race. We get a brand new track here in the uh, in every level of NASCAR. The Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and Cup Series are all racing a track in which nobody has ever raced on before. Um, it's very similar to the track that gets the if you follow the IMSA series or the date or the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. This is the course that they use for that. But in terms of like Cup Series and Xfinity. They've never raced this this particular layout. Yeah, and, and that's why I was surprised to see a non-Harvick name at the top here uh, in terms of the odds. So uh, before we get to specifically the odds, why is Harvick not the favorite? <laughs> so uh, for a change here, Harvick is actually not that great at road courses. Um, I mean, he's Fine. solid. Don't get me wrong. He's solid, but he doesn't have like upper echelon finishes that we're looking for that would make him the favorite. Um, also, the manufacturer he drives for, Ford, has only won one of the last seven uh, road courses in the Cup Series, and that was Ryan Blaney at the Charlotte Roval in 2018, who lucked into a win because Martin Truex Jr., who was leading, was spun out by Jimmy Johnson in second in the final corner of the final lap of that race. And Blaney basically just got to cross the finish line before the guys had spun out. So uh, Ford in general hasn't been great on road courses, and Harvick is he's solid but not, like, upper echelon. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the odds, and then we'll get into DFS. This is over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Here are the favorites this weekend. We have Chase Elliott at about 4-1, to one, Truex Jr. at 6-1. to one. Harvick is, is crazily enough, uh, plus 650. Wow, I, I don't think I've seen this in two months. Uh, Denny Hamlin plus 650. Ryan Blaney is up to nine to one here, and then one of Matt's favorites, Brad Keselowski, is ten to one. So, uh, looking at it this weekend, you know, certainly I, I think that there's a chance for a long shot here, Matt. It certainly appears that this is going to be a little bit unpredictable, maybe both on the wagering side and the DFS side. How do you see this playing out in Daytona? Uh, so it is going to be unpredictable because, um, you know, a couple of years ago, the Charlotte Roval made its debut. And yes, I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's the road oval. They basically do a road course inside the oval and then run the rest of the oval, which is the same thing they're going to do here at Daytona. Um, that made its debut a couple of years ago. But the difference there was they had practice and then they had qualifying laps. Nobody's had practice at this track except in like I racing. Um, and so the first time they go green uh, on Sunday is the first time these cup guys are going to get actual live action looks at this track in their cars with their setup. And so it's kind of a wild card to be sure uh, we can base, uh, you know, the odds and, and picks off of how guys typically do at other similar road courses. Um so it's not a surprise to see Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. at the top of the list because in the last seven road course races, those guys each have three wins, including Chase Elliott at the Roval last year. Chase Elliott's won twice at Watkins Glen the last two years, uh, which are both comparable to this Daytona road course. So, um, you know, I'd probably take Martin Truex Jr. Um, the odds are a little better for higher return. He's starting a little closer to the front. And his car has just looked a little better than Chase Elliott's recently. Um, so I would go with Martin Truex Jr. 
uh, at plus 600 for the okay. win. All right, so we got uh, a six to one here. I got some good good shot this weekend. I think it's somebody else winning this thing. Uh, speaking of which, let's take a look over on the DFS site for FanDuel. Look at the pricing for the Go Bowling 235 coming up on Sunday. Uh, as as Matt mentioned, uh, probably start your your race, start your engines if you're building your lineup with Truex Jr. We'll leave that to Matt. I'll ask him in a second. Chase Elliott thirteen thousand five hundred. Harvick is twelve thousand five hundred. Denny Hamlin is twelve. Ryan Blaney all the way up to 11,400 this week. And then Kurt Busch on the outside looking in at 11,000. I've seen uh, Kurt Busch's name mentioned a few times also this week, Matt, going into the race uh, in Daytona. So um, from the DFS perspective, how do you build the lineup this week? So this week, um, basically position differential and finish position are going to be the two most heavily weighted stats you can possibly have. Um, Because the, the race is only 65 laps long. So in terms of laps led, there's just not that many to go out and get. And typically in a road course, you don't see one guy go out and dominate. You typically see a lot of shifting and a guy will lead like 10 or 15 laps and then another guy will lead like 12 laps. And so it gets split pretty decently. Um, So for that, we're going to go with uh, Martin Truex Jr. is definitely who we're going to build around for a top priced guy. Um, because I just don't see him falling backwards. I mean, he's starting third. I don't really see him falling backwards. Um, he's got a very good road course history. So, you know, in terms of value there, we're going to start with a guy who's starting up front because I think seven of the last eight winners at road courses have started in the top 10. Um, and then it's going to be pretty hard to avoid Ryan Blaney this week Blaney is a very good road racer um and he's starting 24th because they did change the way they are calculating qualifying spots this week uh and he got wrecked out at Michigan on Sunday so that affected that dropped him further back in the field so uh we're going to start with those two guys for sure um another guy that really intrigues me though for a DFS perspective is William Byron because he just did on uh Wednesday night he did a happy hour on iRacing that was televised. Okay. And so he actually ran laps with Chad Canals, his actual crew chief, in his ear. And they were working on the actual setup of his car while on iRacing. And that's about as accurate a simulation as you're going to get before getting to the track. So he's actually got some decent laps in uh before heading to the track. So sure. Other guys are doing the same thing as well, but William Byron is famed for coming up through iRacing and then having success in the cup series because of his experience in iRacing. So we'll go with him too, for a mid priced uh, guy to build around. Okay. And, uh, and set me up for, uh, for the weeks ahead, Matt, in terms of the NASCAR circuit. So it's pretty easy to remember the three initials that the next, I think dozen, or at least 10 races are starting with, which is DIS. Those are the tracks that are going to hold it because you have Daytona International Speedway for Xfinity and Truck and Cup Series this weekend. And then you have five races at Dover International Speedway next weekend. You have the truck guys are racing on Friday night. Uh, and then Cup and Xfinity are doing two double headers. They're racing Saturday and Sunday, both series, both days. Um And then we come back to Daytona for the Coke Zero Sugar 400, which is the final regular season race, uh, which is going to be run just like a standard Daytona race. So it's going to be 
who knows what's going to happen in that one because you got playoff spots on the line. Everybody's trying to win at Daytona. Uh, normally, Daytona and Talladega are about the least predictable races you can come across. Um, and then we go back to Darlington, interestingly enough, for the start of the playoffs there for the Southern 500. So that'll get us into September for the NASCAR uh, schedule. All right. I look forward to it. And, of course, uh, Matt, people can follow your work at Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. Uh, I know that you're, you know, certainly a big baseball fan and following the season as well. Your Juan Soto's, uh, you know, off to a yeah, amazing. He's crushing. Start. He, he's yeah, he's uh, having a field day with the with the Mets this past series. So, uh, and the Cardinals may never play again. I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. But uh, you know, hopefully Saturday, Sunday, or maybe even next See, week. They had well. another. They had another guy test positive on Thursday. So supposedly, uh, yeah. Supposedly, yes. Yeah. So we'll, I mean, we'll that, see. That's, that's the part of this that it's so hard to quantify is is knowing who did test positive, negative. It's it's a big mess. Uh, yeah. Regardless of that, follow Matt on Twitter. On his Twitter handle, which is at the salesman, Matt won the NASCAR Writer of the Year Award for 2019. And here in 2020, we have had a hard time getting him off uh, picking Kevin Harvick. And uh, picking Kevin Harvick has been the right thing to do. I can't I can't force him into something that's not going to win. And so he hasn't done it. But he has a new winner this week on the course. So we will see if that uh, ends up coming to fruition. Thanks again, Matt, for coming on the show. We'll catch up again next week. Short thing. Always a good time. All right, that'll do it for uh, us here on the NASCAR circuit. We kick back a little football and some baseball talk next as Fantasy Sports Today continues right here on SportsGrid. Make sure you stay tuned. Check out our website, sportsgrid.com. We're back in just two minutes. Stay on the grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Joe Pizzapia with you. And our next guest is somebody that I love to see in my drafts because she is great fun to be in a draft with. But I also hate to see her in drafts in my leagues because she is so hard to beat, and that is a fact. There's a very small handful of people that I see them and I go, oh, man, I got to compete against this person. And one and our next guest is one of those folks for sure. She is with Football Die Hard. She's the one, the only. Jersey Jen. Jen Ryan. Jen, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. And uh, and yeah, like we were just talking about, I see your belt back there. And right. despite me having the most points last year, I just couldn't get it from you. Yeah, points are pretty, but it's all about W's at the end of the day, Jen. It's yeah. it's all about W's and winning when it matters, that's for sure. And I'm going to take it while I can get it. And, I, and if you win this year, I will be very happy. There's no doubt about that. It's a great group. And we are part of the Flex League, Super Flex League. And it's an expert league, which means guys like Adam Ronis, people like Elliot Chris, uh, Jake Seeley, all those folks. It's Jake's league, actually. And Jen and I are two of the participants, as well as Dane Martinez uh, of this very network. And, you know, for some people who don't know out there, Super Flex, again, is kind of a rising format, which is where you get to that other that other flex position where you get to play a quarterback, which to me is exactly what it should be. You should be playing more quarterbacks. They should be more important in our game because they're some of the highest point getters. And the quarterback position is the most integral piece of any football team. So 
I love the Superflex format. I'm curious, do you love it as much as I do? And are you somebody that has an approach to these drafts? Like you're going to leave the first few rounds with two quarterbacks, or are you just going to let the board come to you? So what's the approach and what you're feeling about Superflex right now in 2020 as basically an emerging, oh, I don't say new standard, but something that's starting to get more and more popular every year? I love Superflex. I mean, who doesn't like points, right? That's that's kind of all we cheer for. And this is my only Superflex league. I mean, my home leagues are a bunch of dinosaurs. Getting to change anything is just nearly impossible. So I really look forward to this league every year. Um, my approach really, I kind of, it, it changes. I mean, last year I totally waited on quarterback. I was the last person in the league to take quarterbacks. This year I jumped a little early. Um, I punted running back a little bit, so I took Russell Wilson as my first quarterback to kind of make up for some of that rushing production, and I think I actually rounded out my quarterbacks pretty good. I've got Russ, Aaron Rodgers, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and what Jen did is something I like to do as well, which is to make sure that you get a third quarterback for those bye weeks. And also just this year with injuries and, and COVID and all these other things going on, having that third quarterback not only weakens the pool for everybody else, but at the same time, you might need that depth potentially as well. So it's something to to definitely understand. I, I ended up with Dak Prescott and Matt Ryan there and then Sam Darnold a little later on. So uh, once again, it's it's one of those things where the philosophy in Superflex really can, can change. It depends on, you know, where you are in the draft, where your slot is. And the one thing that I always notice in Superflex lately, Jen, is that well, one thing that tends to get suppressed in terms of value is the wide receivers. And the wide receivers tend to go a little bit later. People still attack running back. They'll attack quarterback, especially if there's an early run. But did you find that also? I found that last year and this year a little bit as well, that there seems to be a little bit of value when it comes to the wide receiver position as they kind of get bumped a little bit further down the trough in lieu of obviously running back and and wide and excuse me, and quarterback as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in general across all formats, we're seeing huge value at wide receiver this year because everybody's chasing those early round running backs. It's so, I mean, I don't even want to say it out loud because it's so controversial, but it's almost like we're in a zero RB year where um, like, like uh, you know, everybody's loading up early and you can grab one bell cow because, you know, these receivers are going to be down towards the end. I mean, I, I can't remember what round I got Robert Woods in, but I got the potential wide receiver one on one of the most explosive offenses, you know, in fantasy, definitely in like the middle rounds. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a total trend uh, this year, you know, everybody's loading up on those running backs early. Yeah. And, and I can understand why too. Let, let's talk about some of the names out there who are in this, you know, second tier of quarterbacks. Everybody knows the elite group, obviously. And, and I am somebody that will reach for the elite group of quarterbacks. If that, you know, if the board allows such, because I do think there is a distinct advantage, but for those that don't, or for those who are looking for those second quarterbacks, I know Cam Newton's been a very uh, uh, popular name lately too, kind of getting back into people's consciousness. Are you somebody that feels confident with Cam Newton in this position on basically a show me contract one year deal with the Patriots? Not maybe getting back to MVP Cam Newton, but maybe getting back to fantasy relevant Cam Newton this year as a QB too. I am a thousand percent in on Cam Newton. Um, the the value for him is ridiculous. I mean, not only is he a super athlete, you know, we can talk about health, but this is this is a violent sport. Anybody could get right. hurt. But I think what people forget with Cam is he's the goal line back in the offense. I mean, he's he's the one when they're on the goal line, he is just diving over or he is plowing through people and he's scoring the touchdowns. I mean, his his rushing touchdown upside, just his overall rushing upside. I mean, even if we see 75 percent of what we saw of Cam Newton during that MVP season, we're still looking at a guy who's probably better than 
you know, at least 20 other quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think it's a fantastic value. And I don't want him to get too high up there in ADP. I want him to kind of stay just where he is right now. I think it's that perfect spot. Uh, let's talk about another controversial name and, and let's hit on Baker Mayfield for a moment because this was a guy last year everybody was wanting to put into that QB1 conversation. Let's just be kind and say it didn't quite work out that way for Baker. But new coach, new OC, new system here. Is that enough with all these weapons he's got to buy back in? Or are all these running backs there potentially hurtful for him and his fantasy value as a, as a quarterback too? Uh, no, I'm buying back in because it's not just the new regime. You have a now healthy Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Both were dinged up last year. And, you know, you look at win totals. Um, they're not expected to be a 500 team. That equates to garbage time and playing for behind. And that's really where quarterbacks can uh, get you those fantasy points. Now, sometimes it's really tough, Jen, because, you know, we see something and we've seen maybe guys in the past not play well, then all of a sudden they come on and have a great year like Ryan Tannehill. And it's it's a little dangerous because you look at the fantasy points and you go, wow, this guy was pretty productive. Hey, he helped me win that belt right there. I'm not going to sure lie. It was, he, was a, he was one of the best pickups I made last year, and that was uh, after losing Patrick Mahomes to an injury for a short period. But do we buy in for a second year? Did everything break right? Or is this a guy who's finally realizing the potential? Because I think it's a very good question to ask. And I got to be honest with you. I feel it's more like lightning in a bottle and I'm kind of staying away from it. I'm not going to begrudge other people for taking that shot. But is there a clarity for you on that? Do you think this is a guy to take a shot on? Because maybe there's enough people like me who don't buy in. Or is there something really that's a little worrisome when you consider the longer body of work for Ryan Tannehill? Sure, definitely. And and not only the longer body of work for Tannehill, but Derrick Henry and his 300 carries. Although oh, is that all? Tannehill <laughs> still managed to have that that rushing upside, which was which was you know incredible to see. Here's what I'll say about Tannehill: If you're in a league with people like me or you who are a little weary on him, and you're drafting him a little bit later, I think it's okay. Do I want to draft him at his ceiling? Definitely not. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think if you can get a discount, like, I don't think you can get him as your third quarterback, but uh, who knows? You never know when things like this happen in drafts. Let's talk about the rookie, too. Let's get into the, the big hot rookie of Joe Burrow, because that's another polarizing one. A lot of people uh, I know, like Mike Tagliere has got him very high this year. He thinks he's going to end up as a low end QB one. Um, certainly a healthy AJ Green helps. Certainly Joe Mixon in camp would help for sure as well. So if all that, you know, goes week one as planned, that's great. But do you see that, you know, that success, that massive success that Burrow had in college just immediately filtering over to the pros? Or do you think there is more of a learning curve here for him? And in terms of fantasy, that could be a little bit of a detriment as a QB, too. Look, I think there's absolutely a learning curve. Am I expecting him to throw for seven, eight touchdowns a game? Absolutely not. This is college. I mean, these guys are much bigger. They're much faster. And, of course, they hit so much harder, right? It's a, it's going to be a more complicated offense, too. Um, but what you love going for Burrow is, like you said, the talent surrounding him. And there really is zero competition. I mean, he is the starter. He's not going to have a short leash. You know, you're not. it's not like a right. Fitzpatrick to a situation. Like, it is super, super clear what his role is. Um, so you sort of have to be excited for him. And again, like you mentioned, AJ Green, he's another, I mean, you look where he's going, if he's healthy and he's fine, I mean, he's going to be a league winner. So excited for that whole offense. Well, I hope so. Cause he's on my roster in our league. I very yeah. hope so. That'd be lovely league winner. <laughs> you heard it here first from Jen Ryan league winner, AJ Green. All right. I want to talk about the guy on your team for a second. If I may, I want to talk about your third string quarterback as a third quarterback. I got no qualms about it. 
But I feel like, you know, we've seen enough of these Super Bowl hangovers in the last few years. It gives me pause. And Jimmy Garoppolo still, to me, has a lot of warts at the quarterback position. I know he had some moments. He made some plays. Not going to take anything away from him, especially in that playoff run. But when you look at basically who he's got here, Debo is going to be hurt to start the season. He's got Kittle. Yeah, they're going to run the football a ton. Is he really appealing as a quarterback, too? I know as a quarterback, three, I, I'm with you 100%. Fill the bye weeks. Don't screw up, kid. You're good. But as a QB, two, would it, you have the same kind of confidence in Garoppolo? I think I maybe would. Here's my thing with Garoppolo. He is the quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Joe, if you were the quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's <laughs> offense, hey, I was you'd have a spot on my team. Hey, I'm still good. Don't worry about it. I can still throw <laughs> and, the ball away. <laughs> and really, you look, if he's got that week 11 bye week, um, I have my other two quarterbacks have early bye weeks. God forbid this season, knock on wood, is cut short. I know I'll have Garoppolo for that first half of the season. So I think with the uniqueness of COVID this year, that's sort of something we have to look at, too. I just needed a guy with a later bye week. Yeah, and, and that's exactly true, too. And I'll tell you what, I keep telling everybody also, if you have you know people with with certain bye weeks, keep an eye on Tua. I think Tua is going to play a lot more games than other people do. I just think that kid is a competitor. He's going to compete his way on to playing more games. I know we only got like about a minute left or so. So I just want to talk about this last guy here on the list. And it's Daniel Jones, because he seems to be buzzing right now in the fantasy community. A lot of the metrics love him. When you consider last year, when you know he didn't have all those weapons on the field just one time, 30 seconds, tell me, do you think Daniel Jones can carry over the beginning of that success with a healthy Saquon into this year? Or is this basically people getting set up for failure here with Daniel Jones? No, I think he's in good hands with Jason Garrett. That guy's a QB whisperer. He took undrafted free agent Tony Romo. That worked out pretty good. Fourth round pick Dak Prescott. That worked out really good. Former quarterback himself. I think he's in really good hands and really they're set up to thrive on the run. So Daniel Jones should be just fine. All right, you can go check her out at Football Diehards and go follow her on Twitter at FFDegenerate, and that's Degenerate with a J. Don't get confused about that. Jen, I wish you all the luck in our Superflex League. I told you I love competing against you. I, I always, Every time I look at your rosters in any league I'm in, I always go, how did she do that? How did she, how did she pull that off every time? So, look, for now, this belt's going to stay here. If the 2020 belt goes to you, I can live with it. I just want you to know I can live with that. So best of luck. May all your team stay healthy. And again, go follow her on Twitter. We're going to hit a break right here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be right back right here on Sports Grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports. Today, as we head toward the Fantasy Baseball Weekend, we check in with Gray Albright from Razball and Razball.com. Fantasy football is coming soon. Make sure you check out all of their projections over there. But in the interim, we're 20% into the Fantasy Baseball season, and we're going to get Gray's thoughts on what has transpired so far. Gray, thanks for coming on the show once again. How are you on this Friday? 
I'm pretty good, Craig. I, uh, I'm waiting to hear about uh, Alec Baum, this new Phillies prospect that was called up, huh? Pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's in it, and I think Dylan Carlson will have a chance to see him hopefully pretty soon too. Whenever they decide to start playing for the Cardinals again, but before we get to the prospects, let get let's get to a former top prospect who has started to turn a lot of heads, and that is Byron Buxton, who I think that in the last four years, Gray, I've had him once, you've had him once, everybody has had him once, and he's been a disappointment. And so now the question is, are what we seeing is legit in 2020, or is this just a Buxton month? Because he's had good months before, it's just (laughs) the course of the whole season has not been that way. Uh, Yeah. decisions and i don't know what the hell happened but bryson dechambeau's driver like split in half like he's carrying like a javelin right now the head of his driver fell off i don't know if it hurt anybody <laughs> is there like literally dude it's just it's like a like sharp piece he of... <laughs> he's walking up the middle of the fairway with the head of the driver in his hand and like a, a graphite shard that looks like a sword ricky fowler looked at him like dude like what kind of glue you got holding i mean what is it is it the fact that toronto has been the, the traveling Willberries all season long on the road because they're finally back in Buffalo. I saw that game play out a couple of nights ago, Gray, and it seems to me that if the wind is blowing out of Buffalo, Bo Bichette's going to hit 15 or 20 home runs this season. Uh, if they're the traveling Willberries, who's Bo Bichette? Is it Bo, Bo Orbison? Uh, not Tom Petty. <laughs> no, no. I wouldn't say nah, and not uh not George, George Harrison. Either, George right? Harrison's not I mean Who do we I, have left there that's still kicking? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the most hip show sports grid has ever done right now talking about the traveling wilburys i mean can we get any more with the 18 to 25 demographic yeah, um, yeah no boba shed is like i think boba shed uh it could potentially be like a top 25 overall guy as early as next year for oh, yeah you know like he is so talented like i could i could see him over 162 games being close to like 25 30 uh 25 20 with a great average like 290 plus i mean we're talking about a guy and at shortstop he's easily like i think a top three top three to four shortstop because shortstop is a a very stacked position right now um you know as you mentioned uh Fernando Tatis Jr., Trevor Story are easy one, two, and then Bo Bichette, maybe three, maybe four, but he's really good. I think the uh, 
You know, what's really fun is I think Buffalo is playing like Coors East. So I'm like, you know, give me all the hitters that are going to play in Buffalo on any given day. Yeah, and, and remember, the Blue Jays scored a lot of runs a couple of nights ago, and the Marlins' offense is not a juggernaut by any means. And for them to do what they did without hitting home runs, not uh, you know, and Anderson hit a couple. But beyond that, they really didn't hit any, and the Blue Jays hit seven. So I definitely think that their home games for the next couple of months is something to watch. The Speaking Blue something- Jays are really, not to, uh, sorry to interrupt, but the Blue Jays are a... Uh, a lineup where, you know, like Lords Goriel Jr. is really good for as cheap as he was in drafts. Vlad Jr. is a superstar. Bichette is a superstar. Um, Biggio is a really good second baseman. Maybe not a superstar, but probably not. I, I don't know if he's necessarily a top five guy at his position, but top 10 for sure. I mean, the, the Blue Jays are really an exciting team. Like, you know. Anyway. Yeah, no, they they are offensively. I don't love their pitching, and Pearson did yeah. that. Good, yeah. good, but you know, do we care if we don't have Pearson? Fine, throw him to the wolves. Let him get crushed. This <laughs> yeah, well, Pearson. Uh, I do think Pearson's stuff is there. I think he just doesn't have control right now. No, so. not. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like uh, watch out for the backstop. I think he's probably uh, a year or two away. But he, a lot of rookies but, are. It's impossible with these rookie pitchers, man. It's like for one, for every paddock, there's like ten guys that look that don't look like paddock. You know? It's just yeah. Like, no, completely. Rookie pitchers are. That's like I. I feel like that's a um, bear trap that is set up by like fantasy people who they don't realize that how bad. Like if you have a rookie hitter and he doesn't hit. Oh, he goes over 13. You drop him, whatever. Really? A rookie pitcher, he goes three innings, gives up seven runs, and you're like, okay, my entire week is ruined. I know, and 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 a guy like Pearson now, he walked uh, five guys in four innings. He's got to yeah. pitch three games to get that walk rate down, and it's just it's just the the nature of the game. Uh, so Juan Soto on Thursday, Gray hit another home run, and this is coming mm-hmm. off two home runs on Wednesday. He's only played in like six games, man. <laughs> And, and and look, I, I don't know that we're going to see the stolen bases that he had last year again. But if he does, and, and Juan Soto, and and look, you know, you have him or you don't this year. It's a foregone conclusion. There's not much you can do in this fantasy season. But in terms of keepers, like, I'm starting to think that a 2021 season of 50 home runs and 30 stolen bases is not out of the realm of possibility. We saw Acuna get hurt, so certainly he takes a little bit of a knockdown. Yelich has not looked like Yelich this year. Uh, I'm starting to think that that Juan Soto is like number two behind Mike Trout. I mean, really? I mean, he's uh, he's he cannot be pitched to. He hits a home run every time. Yeah, no, it's really. I mean, I was listening to uh, the Mets broadcast yesterday, uh, and you know, Gary Cohn and uh, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling, they were discussing Acuna or. Soto for who would you want from this point forward? And, you know, they were both saying how all three of them, excuse me, were saying how Acuna is obviously like there's no dig on him. But Juan Soto, I feel like barring a awful injury is going to be a Hall of Famer, like no doubt about it. Like he is one of the most talented hitters I've ever seen, whereas Acuna And especially for fantasy, as he gets older, he may lose some of the speed. He may not have, uh, you know, his his power isn't quite the same as Soto. So while I do love Acuna 
And I think he is like definitely in the talk for like a top three pick overall. Sure. Soto is just so talented. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and he's super young, and that's why the Hall of Fame comes into the discussion. Yeah. You have to start the Hall of Fame discussion when the player comes up at 19 or 20. It's like going back to Winfield and Robin Yount and those guys. Right. I mean, I mean, look, they probably would have been Hall of Famers anyway. It also didn't hurt that they got a three-year head start on everybody else, and that's, I, I definitely think, part of the equation. So um, so the Phillies, as you mentioned, uh, at the top, they called up Alec Bohm, and, and we were trying to figure out why that was happening, and then we found out late yesterday that Adam Hazley went on the injured list. And so that's uh, somewhat a part of it. But how do you see this playing out? I mean, the Phillies' issue isn't their hitting. They're, like, number one in baseball in terms of on-base percentage. Uh, yeah. I guess that they're thinking at this point, Gray, they're going to have to win games 15 to 10. They may as well start now because <laughs> they're not going to win otherwise. Right. No, totally. That's funny because I was saying to uh, my partner at Rasball, Rudy, I was like, well, they brought up Alec Baum. I guess he's going to pitch middle relief. <laughs> right, right. The only way to do it. I like. I, I really am not entirely sure what they're looking for. Uh, I think it's just like, you know, when you have a problem and you just start throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks, it's like, well, we have offense. You know, if we get a little more offense, it can't hurt, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, no, their uh, their problems really their bullpen versus, like, uh, their hitting. But, yeah, I think, you know, Jay Bruce was the DH. I don't think Jay Bruce necessarily has to stay at the DH spot. Alec Baum doesn't really have a great – glove so i don't know he could dh maybe kingery has been awful so as good as the phillies offense has been kingery's been really bad so maybe kingery goes to the bench a little bit bomb plays a little third hits uh at dh a little bit i actually for most leagues unless it's super shallow i'm picking up bomb and seeing what happens because he's a guy who shouldn't necessarily struggle out of the gate. I mean, you know, with Babbitt and all kinds of other problems, there's a, uh, you know, it's hard to say exactly what a guy's going to do in a real small sample size, but Baum is a guy who can take a walk. He has power. He could come out of the gate really well. And, uh, yeah, I would grab him just to see what happens. Yeah, I think you have to do that with everyone. And 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 the other part of it, too, Gray, is, is that, you know, the fantasy advice that we were giving out a couple of days ago, and it's still a little bit dicey, is that you find all now at this stage, you find all the Cardinals you can with a pulse that are on the waiver wire and pick them up because they're going to come back and they're oh, going to yeah. play. Oh, and, and oh. Gonna play 50 games, man. Like you're like there's some teams that only have they're going to have 30 games left when the Cardinals have 50. And so mm -hmm. from counting stats alone. And, and look, I'm not saying that Dexter Fowler is going to light the world on fire, but Dexter Fowler's counting numbers are going to be better than. You know, Ronald Acuna's maybe. I know it's crazy to say, but it could be. No, I know. I, I totally agree. I was saying that actually on the on our on the Rasball podcast on Tuesday. I was saying how, like, you know, right now, I want to load up on Cardinal bats. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen with the arms. Like, I, I'm a little bit worried about, like, Flattery even because if right, he comes right. out and he can't throw more than five innings for a week or two, the season isn't that long for him to get up to speed again. So hopefully flattery and, um, you know, any of the arms that are healthy are fine. But the bats, I'm really actually the Cardinal bats. I'm excited about stashing them right now. Yeah, you should be. And I'll tell you another thing from knowing what the Marlin situation is, is uh, even the 18 players who they've had out. None of them have been able to test negative twice. And on top of testing negative, they still have to go through some other protocols that I'm now learning about as well 
there's a chance that the Marlins players will be out a full month before any of them are able to return. And that can basically set the timeline for all of these Cardinals that are out, too. Guys like Tommy Edmond, I think that dude's going to play every day from now till the end of the season. Carlson could be the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And so don't just don't just put that blanket assumption on players that they're going to be back in a couple of weeks. If you have a guy in fantasy, you've got to replace him immediately. Uh, Gray, before we let you go here, uh, Razzball.com. Uh, I know football's coming up. Anything else interesting over on the website people can check out? Come over, maybe uh, come see our tools. We have a uh, a pitching streamer tool. We have uh, a trade analyzer tool. Come over, check us out, say hello, what's up, you know. That's the way to be. Follow Gray Albright on Twitter, at Razzball, and check him out at Razzball.com. And he and Rudy and Donkey Teeth and all the great people that they have working over there, helping you win fantasy leagues. They do a great job. Great, thanks again. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, thank you. All right, Gray Albright of Brassball.com. More fantasy sports today right here on SportsGrid is coming up in just a couple of minutes. Why would you go anywhere? Make sure you stay on the grid, and we'll be back right after this here on Fantasy Sports Today. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, it is time for us to get out of here for the week. But you who are watching out there need to stay on the grid because Scott Farrell has got you covered later today with all of the Major League Baseball action. Of course, in-game live, taking you inning by inning, pitch by pitch, with everything happening in the live world of baseball. Joe, speaking of football, I know that you on the Sports Grid 60 have some comments about what you saw on the tube last night, Joe. So take it away. I do indeed. I was able to finally sit down, get some time to myself, and watch a little hard knocks. And yes, it's a PR machine from the NFL to make us feel good about the season. But I have to say, I left feeling better about the possibility of a season. And uh, I would say this. A few takeaways for me are, number one, look, the NFL is the ultimate team sport. It only works when everybody's moving in the same direction together. This is what these guys are used to. So with all the protocols, all the social distancing, all of the things that they have in place and watching them all go through it all, it felt like they were an army. They were a team. They were all on the same page for the most part. And yes, you're going to have the one-offs here and there. But overall, it was very impressive what I saw, the way the NFL is doing it. And it left me actually optimistic that we are going to have a season. And number two, it also left me saying, hey, there's a lot of great leadership here in the NFL. And I think some of these players right here, we should look at as uh, basically beacons going forward here. If we're going to have an NFL season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to watching it this weekend. Uh, Here's what I'm looking forward to tonight, a major league baseball game. And (laughs) when I stop and think about it, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting. I haven't been to a game in five months and all of that. But the notion is, is that I am one of about 20 people who are not playing in the game that are actually going to be able to watch 
a Major League Baseball game in person. And I got to say, for that privilege, being able to have it and being a credentialed member of the media, I have to say it's pretty cool. And when I stop and think about it, I think I take for granted sometimes just the ability to go to games and cover games. But given the lack of fans and the lack of people that are allowed in, got to thank the uh, Marlins for letting me in. Thanks to everybody for watching all week. Thanks to Joe, Brett, Chris, Joe Pizapia. I'm Craig Mish. Yeah. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.